we've been doing last week about four very interesting words that the Word of God uses. And these four words are affirmation, remember affirmation, and also praise, and consolation, and exhortation. And these are important words in the Word of God to affirm somebody. And we said that affirmation is not trying to tell lies and say you're a a wonderful singer when they're not. (laughs) Or you're saying something that's not quite truthful. The person might have a long way to go. Maybe somebody who's just rising up as a preacher and got a long long way to go. And yet you want to say, look, I I just want to affirm you. I just really believe that God's got his hand on you for that particular thing. And then also, of course, there's that praise. And praise is that warm welcome that we give. It's a, a warm response to what God's been doing in a church or in a person's life or in the, in the home life and the children as well. We want to praise them and we want to encourage them. And then consolation is just coming along with some kind of comfort. And God is that kind of God. He, he comforts us in such a way that the comfort that we receive we can pass on to somebody else. And perhaps the most difficult one of all is exhortation. And that can be a word of rebuke. And so you find that when Paul is teaching Timothy, and that passage in Second Timothy we mentioned last week, he also has, you know, preach the word in season, out of season, and he also says rebuke. And the next word is encourage. And in times of my ministry, I've had to do a gentle rebuke of somebody. And I told you about that lady who wanted to leave the church. I said, you're not going. I said, I'm not having it. (laughs) You're not resigning. Well, change your job. She was a cleaner, remember? She was a cleaner and she didn't like the church. It was too dirty for her to clean. And I said, you're not leaving the church. I said, well, change the job and you're staying. And she said, I hate you. You're always getting round about me. And I gave her a big hug. And, you know, there's that kind of rebuke and encouragement that very often comes together. And sometimes we have to warn people, we have to come on and and just tell them the truth about what's happening in their lives or how we see things are happening, yet at the same time love them, love them along. So that's the kind of thing we're doing last week. And we saw some practical things along the way. If you really want to encourage people, you have to get to know God's word. Get to know the scriptures. Because God very often plants a scripture in your heart to pass on to somebody else. If you don't know the word of God too well, then that's something you need to to improve upon so you can do that kind of thing. And be a good listener, we said. Remember Job, I I think it's an amazing verse that. I hadn't even noticed it before, Job 21 and verse 1, where Job says to his comforters, Listen to me, he says. Listen to me. And may that be the consolation that you bring to me. Just listen to me. And just this art of listening is a there's a whole there's a whole course I'm sure on listening techniques. I mean Audrey'll know all about that with counselling. A whole course about how to listen to people and not wait for the next gap for you to come in with what you're going to say. You've been thinking what you're going to say when they stop talking. But listening, not with that in mind, not with saying, I'm going to say something when they stop speaking. And so there was a knowledge of God's word, there was the listening. And then being together as believers. And Paul says that in Hebrews chapter 10. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together as is the habit of some. You just keep coming. Because it's more than, encouragement is more than the card and the phone call and the email. These are all helpful things. It's the face to face. 
able to say to somebody, I just, I just want to encourage you in the Lord. It's good to see you. I was thinking about you last week and actually was praying for you and, and I'm just so glad that you're, you're here today. Uh, and that, that's a tremendous thing. The, the don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. There was a fourth one, a fifth one, I can't even remember what they were. But you, you can get the, you can download the, um, the sermon and I've got some notes there. There were notes for last week as well. Maybe you took them away with you. Anyway, what a prayer before we start. Because we thank God for good news about Pauline, that she's home now and we just keep praying. Lord, we want to thank you for each other. And we want to encourage each other through our prayers. And we thank you, Lord, that uh, the news is a bit better for Pauline at home, although she's in pain. We ask your loving God to raise her up to health and strength and lay your healing hand upon her. We thank you that Graham's back with us today uh, and for having your hand upon him uh, and healing as well. And we just pray, Lord, whatever the needs might be in this particular fellowship here this morning, that we'll just sense that you're coming alongside to help us. And we thank you for all the folks here who love us dearly and who have shown their love and, and come alongside us in all kinds of situations. And we pray that today would be no exception. And we thank you, Lord, that you're the one who loves us eternally, loved with an everlasting love. And so we pray for our homes and our families and, and those things that really burden us the most about daily life. And we want to hand it over to you and lay at your feet because you're the one that says, all who labour and are heavy laden, come to me, all who labour and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And today, Lord, we want to rest in you, our shield and our defender. Bless your word to us now as we come to it in the Saviour's precious name. Amen. Well, today we're going to uh, look at, just put the first slide up, we find it, okay? What the biblical encouragement looks like. And we said last week, it's a New Testament character who is encouragement personified. Next slide, thanks. And of course, it's this man called Barnabas. We thought about these four words last week, about what encouragement looks like in those four terms and, and context. But here we are at this story of Barnabas. Uh, and these verses are, are very interesting that we find there. And let's look at Acts 11, 23 and 24 to begin with. Acts, 20, Acts 11, 23 and 24. And we find some very interesting descriptions there. Acts 11:23 and 24 says that when they arrived, that's Barnabas was sent to Antioch, when he arrived and saw the evidence of the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, filled with the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. I like that wee bit there in verse 23. He encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. That's the kind of uh, person that, that Barnabas was. And, and even just the description of a, he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit. And the, the Bible doesn't throw out terms like good willy-nilly. When the Bible talks about somebody being a good person, there's a lot of meaning packed into that. 
we, we, we sometimes just throw it out and say, ah, he's a good soul, or she's a good soul. And, and we mean a lot by that too, but in the scriptures, somebody being good is somebody who is, is living close to the Lord, is, is hearing from God and, and working alongside God. And we saw last week this uh, tremendous ministry of exhortation, exhorting people. And here he's doing that really. He says, remain true to the Lord with all your hearts. I don't know about you, but I think there's a lot of things that will seek to pull us away from the Lord these days. There's lots of experiences that we go through that would almost want to make us give up. And Barnabas is realising there's a new church getting started here in Antioch. It's the first Gentile church. And they send Barnabas there. And he says, whatever you do, he says, stick with it. This is not quitting time. It's not time for quitting. And it's tremendous that he gives us, he gives us that kind of encouragement. And perhaps it's you yourself that needs this word of Barnabas, not just the church of Christ itself, but you in your own personal life. To know that the, the shepherd's promise is there. And he journeys with us through the dark valley and that the rod and the staff will be with us as we go through that valley of life. And, and Barnabas, this great son of consolation, the son of encouragement, said, whatever you do, remain true to the Lord with all your heart. Then, of course, there's this other verse in, in chapter 4 and verse 36 that is also describing Barnabas. It says there, Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, <coughs> sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. But verse 36 is, tells us that, that Barnabas wasn't his real name. His real name was Joseph, the son of a Levite. And so we find that he, he, got, he gets this nickname. Now, I don't know what kind of nickname you had. You had a terrible nickname. It was Rusty. I used to hate it. Hate it. Uh, but I'm sure you had nicknames at school that you used to hate as well. But imagine having a nickname like son of encouragement or daughter of encouragement. That would be a good nickname to have. But see, Barnabas wasn't his real name. It was a, a name that was given that described the kind of character that he had. And, and that was really tremendous that his name was changed because that was the kind of person he was. And you can just imagine people saying, look, if you need to be uplifted and, and given a sense of hope, why don't you go and hear Barnabas? Listen to him preach. He'll really lift up your spirit. And that's so important. We need more people like that. I don't know how many Pauls we could cope with in a church. Paul, when he breathed into a city, we caught a riot in the city. And sometimes you had to flee away, you know, and leave the, the carnage behind, as it were, because he was preaching the gospel. And these folk who were making silver gods were losing trade. And some woman who was a, a prostitute was, was, was stopping her trade and becoming a Christian. And all kinds of things were happening. I don't know how many Pauls we could uh, cope with in a church life. And, and then Peter's, you know, the man that would open his mouth and put his foot in it. Uh, to begin with, anyway, Peter was a bit like that. And I folk like that in church life. I've had folk like that through the years in church life. And they're just a kind of spokesperson for everybody else. And there's a complaint to be made, they get up and speak on behalf of other people along the way. And, and sometimes that's a good thing, and other times it's not so good. But you know, we could cope with a lot of folk called Barnabas. 
We could cope with a lot of folk who are sons and daughters of encouragement. We could cope with that. I believe we could. But I want us to think uh, today about four headings. And I told you last week, it's worth coming just for the headings. And here's the first one. The first one is, he was a load lifter. Did you realise that? He lifted the load of financial difficulty that was there in the church at that time. And you go to Acts, well this I read it actually, verse 37 of Acts 4. He sold a field that he owned, he brought the money and he put it at the apostles' feet. He, he was the kind of person who could see the needs and was able to respond to that need because he had the resources you see the Christians would be in trouble in those days in Jerusalem because when they first came to faith they, they were turned by the Romans anyway as a sect of Judaism and as the time went on the Romans began to realise and other Jews as well began to realise this is no branch of Judaism this is something quite different and we're not on with it and all kinds of persecution took place and you can imagine somebody becoming a Christian, a Jew becoming a Christian, and, and the parents saying, you're out of a job, mate. And just get, get out of the house. If you think that couldn't happen, just remember it happens today. If an Orthodox Jew becomes a Christian today, the family will take an empty coffin and have a funeral service for that person. And as far as they are concerned, that person is dead to the family. That's the cost of an Orthodox Jew becoming a Christian even today. So it's bad enough for a Muslim becoming a Christian, but even Orthodox Judaism, it can be very difficult as well. And that would be happening there. And you can imagine people being out of a job and out of a home and, and the Christian church needing some kind of resource to meet the need. And, and Barnabas saw that. And he took one of the fields, I don't know how many fields he had, he took a field that he owned and he brought the money and he laid it at the apostles' feet. You see, Barnabas knew the difference between ownership and stewardship. He, he realised he didn't own all this stuff, this field. It was God's. And he was a steward, a manager. We've spoken about this already on a Sunday here. He, he, he wasn't the owner, he was a steward. And he was a manager of that. And God was leading him to give that money to the Christian church. Turn over to Acts chapter 5. You've got Ananias and Sapphira. And they were pretenders. They were not performers. Ananias said, and Sapphira, they pretended to give so much money to the church. But they never gave all that they were going to give uh, seemingly to the church. They, they lied to the Holy Spirit, the Bible says to us. There's a story about a man who had a, a big business and he had great wealth. And there was this young man who was involved in some kind of uh, sporting organisation. And he heard about this wealthy businessman. He thought to himself, well, I'll go along to this wealthy businessman and I'll... I'll ask him for some money. You know how sometimes wealthy businessmen are part with some money for various causes. And he went to see the man. He says, look, he says, I hope you don't mind me coming to see you. You've got a big business here. I just wondered if you would like to donate something to this sporting organization, which is wonderful for children and helps them on. And here's how the, the wealthy man replied. He says... I understand that you need some money and I understand that you think that I can give you as much money 
He said, it's true, he says. I own my own business and there are all the signs of affluence, but there are some things that you just don't know about me. Do you realise that my mother is in a very expensive nursing home? And the chap says, no, he said, I didn't really know about that. And he says this, do you know that uh, my brother died and left a family of five and, and they almost had no insurance? No, he says, I can't say I didn't I know that I knew about that either. Well, did you know that my son is deeply religious and has gone into social work and he makes less money than the national poverty level to meet the needs of the family? And, and the, mask, the man asking the question said, oh, look, I didn't realise all these things. Well, he says, if I haven't given them any money, I'm not going to give anything to you. You see, he knew about the needs. He knew about the loads. But he wasn't prepared to lift it with all the money that he had. And Barnabas wasn't like that. He was one that knew the load and was willing to help lift that load. And that was just tremendous as we, we think about it. Let me tell you this true story of what happened to me. There was this preacher in, in Glasgow and he said, Alec, I was over in Fife at the time. He said, Alec, he says, there's a lady coming from the States. He's a speaker. He said, would you like to have a, a special meeting up in Fife for this lady coming? She's quite well, world-renowned and a great speaker. I said, okay, I'll, I'll arrange it. So I arranged this, speaker, this uh, hall in Methyl in Fife for the churches to come. And there was quite a number of folk came along. And this, I was introduced to this lady from the States and she got up to speak. And halfway through her address, she spoke about something that happened to her in the States. <laughs> She was speaking to a group in the States and, and she felt led to open up her handbag and give this lady, she just walked from the platform down to this lady who wasn't all that well dressed and gave her a bottle of perfume. I don't know what the lady might have thought about that. I mean, other people might have been quite uh, uh, embarrassed about somebody giving them a bottle of perfume. Anyway, the woman was delighted to get this bottle of perfume. And she says, it's wonderful how the Lord can lead you to give things to other people. And she says, I, I think we should do that here. I didn't have a handbag at the time, you know. <laughs> and she says, you may want to share some money. Well, I mean, I hadn't even taken the offering at that time. And when did they take a good offering for us? I said, oh, I don't really want folk flitting their money to other people and, and feeling they've got to keep the money because it's been a gift to them. Anyways, you might want to give them money and, and you might want to give them a verse of scripture. Well, I, I was quite willing to give somebody a verse of scripture. I had no perfume and, and I was keeping the money for the offering. But anyway, folk were moving about the hall and sitting beside folk and giving them a word of scripture. I don't know if they're giving perfume or money. Or, I don't know what happened. But the service went on and we had the offering and all was well. But one of the members of the church I was in at the time, Ian, he came to me at the end of the service. He says, you know, Alec, he says, I want to give £200 to Donna. Now Donna was a young girl who was there, about 14 years of age. He said, do you think it's right? He wasn't too sure. I said, Ian, the Lord is in that. He didn't know what I knew that Donna was going to, he was the daughter of a single parent and she was wanting to go to scripture union camp and she didn't have the money I says Ian it's right give her the money 
I just sort of thrilled that, that God can actually speak in that certain way. And, and folks, encouragement is not just about words. Even words of affirmation and praise and consolation and exhortation. Sometimes encouragement is about parting with something. It doesn't have to be money all the time, but sometimes God just lays things on their hearts and says, Look, I know you haven't got much, but somebody else needs that at the point of time. And sometimes it's happened to me and it's happened to me and I've done it myself. Put something in an envelope, no name on it, just put it in somebody's door. Uh, so there's not going to be any sort of praise and thanks coming back for it. But yes, this was true of Barnabas. He was a load lifter. And the second thing about Barnabas is he was a friend finder. He was somebody who was out to find friends. And you find there in Acts chapter 9, 23 to 20. Let's look at that. Acts chapter 9 and 23 to 28. We find here... In these verses, and many days had gone by, the Jews conspired to kill him, that's Saul. But Saul learned of their plan. Day and night they kept close watch on the city gates in order to kill him. But his followers took him by night and lowered him in a basket through an opening in the wall. And when the time came to, when he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas took him. And brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord. And the Lord had spoken to him. And how the Damascus, Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of the Lord Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem. Speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. Saul of Tarsus, the new Paul, if you like, was needing a friend. And Barnabas was that friend. And that's something that we tremendously need in church life. We need a, a friend finder. It's interesting that uh, very often in church life, when people come into a church life, it says regarding these sort of church growth books that you might read, that if somebody doesn't connect within three months, the parts will go somewhere else. They need to connect, they need to find friends, they need to relate to people. And that's very true in church life, it was true in the early days. And that's why the ministry at the door as stewards, if we have such, and, and the welcomers, it's not incidental to church life. That befriending ministry is so powerful. It can be the means of somebody coming back or not coming back, whether they feel themselves encouraged as a friend finder. And we need to be that kind of people. We need to be encouragers like Barnabas and befriending people. And that's not just people within the church. But befriending other people, not as pew fodder. Not just befriending people so that they'll come to Christ someday, but befriending people because we love people. There are a lot of need these days to befriend other people. And I think one of the things is the ghetto mentality that we have in church life sometimes where we only meet Christians all the time and we're not actually befriending anybody else. I'm as guilty as that as anybody is. But trying to befriend people who are outside of church life, not because we see them as, well, they ever come to church, but because we want to be friends with people. And Barnabas was like that. Look at the kind of character he befriended. Saul of Tarsus. 
The one that persecuted and, and killed Christians. Had them put in prison. He was the one that was willing to take up the cause and introduce them to the church. And then the next one, the next heading, is a bridge builder. When it comes there in Acts chapter 11, 23 and 24, we were looking at that a wee, bit, a wee minute ago, 23 and 24, it says there, um, but this verse 22, news of this reached the ears of the church in Jerusalem, that God was doing something in other churches, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. Now Antioch was a, a Gentile situation. And here's the Jewish church in Jerusalem thinking to themselves, who can we send that will build a bridge between the, the Jewish Christians and these Gentile Christians? Send Barnabas. Send Barnabas. He's a good bridge builder. And the same thing, of course, was happening there with Saul of Tarsus. He was bridging a bil <laughs> building a bridge rather, between this persecutor of the church and the Christian church in Jerusalem. That was the kind of person he was. Somebody who is a bridge builder. And it says there in verse 24 of Acts chapter 11, you see there that through Barnabas, a great number of people were brought to the Lord. The church needed somebody like that. With a tremendous heart, an open heart. You know how difficult Peter found it, didn't he? In Antioch. You remember with Peter, he was meeting with the Gentile Christians. And then there's these, this group from Jerusalem called Judaizers. And when they came up, what does Peter do? He leaves the table, as it were, where he was talking to Gentiles. And he goes and sits with the Jewish Christians. And Paul withstood him. Paul rebuked him for doing that kind of thing. And Paul becomes that apostle of the Gentiles. So that Barnabas, first of all, is the one that they send to this Gentile church in Antioch to be a bridge builder. And Paul becomes that eventually himself as the apostle to the Gentiles. And so we find that this bridge building exercise is so important in church life. And it's interesting that in church life there's all these different kind of personalities. And we need people who have enough love and encouragement in their hearts that they can get different personalities to work together. And that's not always easy because in church life you've got the charismatics and the asthmatics and the hoovermatics. <laughs> the hoovermatics are those that go into a spin at the least wee provocation. <laughs> and we need somebody who can really bridge build build bridges between all these different groups and get them all to work together that's not always easy in church life but you know I just think that Barnabas is such a, a lovely example the story is told of a, a pastor this is not a true story I'm sure they ended up on a, a desert island and when somebody went to see him they discovered three buildings and they said to him and, and what's this building in the centre he says well that's where I live and he said, you've built another building to the right. He says, well, that's where I, the church, where I used to go. And what about the building on the left? He said, that's the church I now go to. <laughs> a desert island, the only one with himself. <laughs> Couldn't even get on with himself. And sometimes we need to have these kind of characters who can really just bring all these different personalities together. And Barnas has, has been involved here in the progress of this church. A great number had come to faith. <coughs> Because Barnabas had gone from the Jewish church to the Gentile church and had been that wonderful bridge builder for God. And that's an encouraging ministry. 
to be that kind of person in the church you to sit alongside the, I've got it just now in Kirk and Tiller. I've got folk in Kirk and Tiller and the old folk don't like the worship don't like to stand too long and I go and see the older folk and sit with them and I'm trying to say but there's other things in the church that are going well and do you like the ministry of the word of God? Ah, that's alright at times you know <laughs> but this thing it clouds their minds that they're not getting all the old hymns that they had at one time but you know it's just tough for them along the way Anyway, let's come to the last one. And number four, he's a failure fixer. A failure fixer. Now, of course, if you look at it in Acts chapter 15, 36 to 40. Acts chapter 15, 36 to 40. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit the brothers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with him. But Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord, and he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. And so we find here a dispute comes between Barnabas and Paul. And it's so good to know that everything was not perfect in the apostolic band of the New Testament church. We sometimes uh, think about the New Testament church as, as the perfect church. If only we could get back to the New Testament church, everything would be wonderful. But the New Testament church wasn't perfect. John Mark had let Paul down, I think it was the second missionary journey, and he wanted to go home. He was a bit homesick, home to his mommy. And that didn't please Paul. And so when it came to this other missionary journey, Paul said to Barnabas, we're not taking John Mark again. No, no way, not taking him. And Barnabas says, well, I'll take him. And I'm not coming with you. I'm going to take Mark, John Mark. And there was a, a, actually a family relationship there with John Mark. And so you find Paul takes Silas, and off they go, and they, they part company. And what's so encouraging about it is 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 11, because it comes in the, the later years of Paul's ministry. He actually says in 2 Timothy 4 and verse 11, Only Lucas with me, get Mark and bring him with you, because he is helpful to me in my ministry. This is the result of Barnabas' love and encouragement. Paul gets to know that this John Mark who let him down has become a real benefit and blessing to the Christian church and Paul hears about that and he says whatever you do Timothy make sure that John Mark comes along I really need this young man to come I need his ministry I need his help and that's how wonderful Barnabas was as a son of encouragement how good it is when brothers dwell together in unity the scripture says Barnabas believed in John Mark because he was a failure fixer I don't know how many people you know who let you down let other people down I'm sure you know folks who have let you down and that happens in church life but to be able to get alongside and take somebody under your wing and to see them growing back in their faith and, and coming back into things, that's a blessing that you can hardly describe. 
And sometimes in church ministry, I, I've come alongside somebody and I know that they're not doing so well and they're letting the Lord down. And I've put an arm round the shoulder of the person, might be a chap, a chap called Jim, I can remember. I said, Jim, I'm concerned about you. Do you think I should be? I'm really concerned about you. And Jim would reply, yes, pastor, I'm, I'm not doing so well. Well, I, I don't have a time to get why don't we just pray together get around God's word together and just this, this chap happened to be a what we would call a tinker, a gypsy lad actually we were a gypsy because his mother had a great big caravan with antiques that must be worth I don't know hundreds and hundreds of pounds and Jim used to struggle he struggled with the council the council was always fighting against these folk having caravans where they shouldn't have them and, and he got baptised in the church and sometimes he would just flop I'm concerned about you. Do you think I should be? And sometimes we have to get alongside as a, a failure fixer that God has lots more things for that person to do. That God wants to take that life and, and reshape it and make it into something really precious. How many times have we failed? How many times have we let the Lord down? And somebody's come alongside us and said, I didn't see you out on Sunday there, but um, just want you to know I'm praying for you. Hope you'll be out soon. And Barnabas was that kind of person. And so in the last slide we can just see here this tremendous, a load lifter, a friend finder, a bridge builder, a failure fixer. Isn't it worth coming for the headings? <laughs> I just find these, are, I didn't get them, they're not my headings, uh, I got them elsewhere. But I just find they're so helpful in the kind of character that Barnabas really was. And so what we're trying to say today is that this ministry of encouragement it's not just about words. It's not just about a letter or a card, and that can be so helpful, or a telephone call or an email. It's about maybe parting with money or parting with a possession. There's a woman in her church in Kirkintella and she's got a flat and she likes to live in it from time to time. She's looking after a mother who's got dementia and she just feels, I need to get a few nights to myself. And somebody comes in and looks after her and she goes to her flat. You'll never know how many folk have used that flat. If somebody comes and they're in desperate need of a house, a missionary comes back, I've got the flat. You, you stay in the flat. And she'll stay with her mother all the time and not get that couple of nights. She'll just let the flat out. And, and somebody said, I, I really could do with a car. I've got a car here. You, you use my car while you need it. That kind of person... And sometimes to be a load lifter, it's not just a word that somebody needs, it's something else. And we need to say, Lord, may we hold on to things loosely enough to be able to share whatever the Lord tells us to share. And sometimes that means money, or it means helping with a car, or helping with something else. Are we open to that? And sometimes it's a friend finder. They were actually going out of our way to, to befriend somebody. And that can mean maybe inviting them to a meal. Or taking them out for a meal. It means more than just a, a wee word or a telephone call or a card. And then there's the bridge builder. All these different personalities. Are they going to be locking horns or locking arms? That depends on how we treat these folk with different personalities and then that failure fixer do we just let folk go who fail us and say that's it I'm finished with them 
Or do we get alongside saying, God's got more business to do in your life. Can I help you along the way? Can I get somebody else to help you? Sometimes it doesn't work. But Barnabas got right there with John Mark. And made such a great impression that Paul says to Timothy, Luke's with me, but whatever you do, make sure John Mark comes. He will be a help to me and my ministry. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you for this uh, character of Barnabas, the son of encouragement, the son of consolation. Lord, we would love a nickname like that, that someone would see us as a son or daughter of encouragement. And Lord, you're teaching us today that this biblical encouragement is not all about words, not even about affirmation, praise and consolation, exhortation, and these are important. But sometimes it's about practical help along the way. And we ask you, loving God, to just lay a burden on our hearts for the needs of others. Show us, Lord, the, the expression of encouragement you want us to make. If it's not going to be by a word or a card or a telephone call or email, will you just show us how we can encourage? Sometimes it's just a, a bunch of flowers to our partner Lord will you show us how that works out in the home in the family situation in the work situation show us how all that works out and we'll be careful to give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus name Amen don't miss out on the last talk on biblical encouragement coming next week God willing so be with us next Sunday for the last one